right, listen. The Air Comfort Solutions text line has been fantastic. We'll leave it to Josh and Connor to get to it. Oh. Look at Truman. Patty said North Texas couldn't staff that game. That's why it was canceled. I will say there's a part of me that kind of laughs at that, but then in the same vein, we, we were scratching and clawing to get umpires out there on Wednesday night for the battle series. So I'm not going to question anyone who is struggling to get people out whenever it comes to, to work in sporting events. We do have a little breaking news. We have a new athletic director at Auburn. John Cohen is leaving Mississippi State to take over as the new AD at Auburn. It's a five-year contract that will pay him 1.5 mil, not bad, with incentives and assurances that he will operate his own athletic department. Were Auburn people laughing as they put that in the contract? It's like... (laughs) Yeah, you could operate your own athletic department, buddy. <laughs> Good yeah. luck. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Brian Harson's fired. He's so gone. Um, and also from this weekend, the Big 12 got a really nice TV deal. It was about what we had speculated, a little south of 400 mil, 380 mil per year. So you divide that by, you know, 12, and they're – it's it's what little over thirty mil has per it, school has it actually happened? It's close, right? Right, 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 right. Um, but I mean, everyone's saying that they're agreed and that it's a done deal. Now, I do find it kind of fascinating how, man, when it comes to the this TV deal, everyone is adding in everything. Right, it's like, oh, they got a TV deal with ESPN and Fox through twenty thirty one, two point three bill, three hundred eighty mil per year. If you add in college football playoff, NCAA revenue, Big 12 revenue will be at $50 million per school despite losing OU and TU. Uh, UT. I mean. TU is fine. <laughs> TU would be fine. Uh, we've never done that before when we're talking about media deals. Why, why are suddenly we adding? And I love it. Listen, from someone who wants the Big 12 to thrive, I'm, I'm fine with it. But suddenly it's like now, you know, that's this much for deal. So they're making – with all that added in, about $8 million more per school. <laughs> right. But you're adding in everything. Which, like, which every other conference is, you know, power conference is doing the same thing. I, and it's not getting cooked into their numbers. No, it's not. And, and I found this to be pr- pretty interesting from over the weekend because, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, well, this might mean that the Pac-12 is done. Well, Bob Thompson said, hey – I've been saying that the Pac-12 is about $300 million per year, maybe a bit higher if they can monetize the Pac-12 network with only 10 schools. The Pac-12 money will be about $31.6 million per year. So, you know, that's right around what the Big 12 is giving their teams. And if you add in the playoffs and the NCAA revenue, then the Pac-12 is still going to be around 52. So... I don't know if this is some sort of slam dunk that would lead teams to want to leave the Pac-12 for the Big 12. If anything, uh, it kind of kind of made me believe that there's a chance the Pac-12 could stay together. Now, there's Jason Shear, who is a 
about batting 120 with his reports um, is is basically saying that ADs in the Pac-12 were being told that the big the Big 12 schools will reach 55 million annually, and the Pac-12 won't reach that. But if the Pac-12 gets a similar TV deal to what the Big 12 just did, knowing it has two fewer teams to split the pie, it'll be very similar. So there you go. Boy, this uh, I know this is not how this is going to play out, so full transparency before I make this next comment. Now would be the perfect time, wouldn't it, for the Big Ten to announce that Oregon and Washington are coming over along with Kansas and Notre Dame. Just from an entertainment standpoint. Yeah. I would like to see everything implode. I mean, you know, just just, just for, for entertainment. Um, it's funny just how bad some people are at reporting on this. It's really – it's kind of – it's it's a bad look for a lot of people. But there you go. What, well, what what upset you? Who who reported poorly on this? Well, I just I, – I, I think that the total number being talked about and not what's the actual media rights number is a little bit deceiving because no one else does that. Whenever the Big Ten was announcing its deal, that was the money they were making from their TV deal, from their media deal. Right. They didn't add in everything else. It's not what they're distributing per team. It's what their media rights deal gave them. Same thing with the with the SEC. That's their media rights deal. I, I, I haven't seen this reported like this. I'm not complaining about it. Well, It just seems odd to me. Well, and keep in mind, this is, this is getting reported by ESPN and Pete Thamel. Sure. So – this is like probably in part what Pete Thamel was said, hey, put this in your story. So just reading between the lines, I would imagine this is part of the discussion that ESPN and Fox have had with the Big 12 in trying to get this thing inked. Right. But the grant of rights per length of the deal, the elimination of third-tier rights for schools to sell, and we'll see if that ends up making it a done deal or not. I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I know people get mad, probably already have spent too much time, but um, ESP would own 60% of its inventory. Fox would add a sizable portion of college basketball. They they would have a an increase in media revenue per deal, and a source said that the league is expected to agree to a grant of rights with its 12 members for the length of the deal. So, not bad. The deal is expected to increase from 220 to 380. That's an average increase in media-only revenue from 22 to about 31. So the uptick, and it stands that their overall distribution number at 42 mil, it's also subject to a myriad of variables like tournament units, bowl revenue, and college football playoff revenue. So Pete Dammel said, it's safe to say the overall per school revenue could be nearly 50 mil, but it could be much bigger depending on what kind of money the 12-team playoff delivers. Looks like it's pretty safe. Do you think this leads Pac-12 teams to leave, or do you think they wait for the Big Ten invite? Ah, I think everybody's going to keep waiting for the Big Ten invite, but I don't think that day 
I don't think that's happening anytime soon. I think that probably you'll see both the Big 12 and Pac-12 re-up their grant of rights. Right. And because, look, you know, if you're Oregon or Washington or anybody that's in this Big 12 that, like, if you think you're Kansas or Oklahoma State or whoever, right, in the Big 12 that's still sort of eyeing a potential leap to the Big 10, it's not happening today or tomorrow. And you have to take what cash you can get right now. Same goes for Oregon and Washington, right? It's not like you're not inking the Pac-12 grant of rights deal to turn down what? After these payouts, the way that ESPN is presenting it, uh, $50 million per year, you're going to take the $50 million per year and you're going to deal with the buyout of the Pac-12 or Big 12 later if and when that day comes. All right, I, 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 I got to go. We, we got to roll. It's time for our spot where we would have the top five stories of the day. But on Mondays, Josh, the Newcastle Casino top five stories are a little bit different. So hit, hit, here we go. It's time for the Newcastle Casino top five stories of the day, Sooner style, if you will. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. All right, here we go. Newcastlecasino.com. Check it out. Great deals. Happy hour every day and an awesome sports bar. It's time for our top five storylines, angles, thoughts from Saturday. You ready, Josh? I'm ready. Number five. Number five. I'm not here to say anything about Marvin Mims negatively, nor should you, but he had an off day. And, like, we battled a bit in the first hour. It was, depending on how you viewed it, some say that a little bit more on Dylan Gabriel than on Marvin Mims, and that's fine. But I tell you something, um, I think it sets up for a big game here today, or Saturday, for Oklahoma. And specifically for Marvin Mims. Had a bad day. Josh, it happens. A couple of drops. Um, you need your best players to play their best in big games. But to me, I don't feel like it's anything long-term. I don't look at this and say, my gosh, we got to make sure he gets right. I think he's going to be okay in the long run. Just had a bad day, and it happens. Had a, a – his only probably bad day right. in his Oklahoma career. <laughs> and, yes, to expect that that's not going to happen at some point probably was unrealistic. And, you know, to our texter earlier this morning, the two drops were bad, right? But uh, the rest of it, I mean, yeah, the, the catch in the end zone would have been a marvelous. Would have been a highlight reel. Marvelous catch, no pun intended. So, you know, I mean, just – a day kind of to forget about. And the beautiful thing is that Oklahoma won during set off day. Big story or big takeaway number four. Number four. Iowa State's offense is as bad as advertised. Yeah. Now, we had somebody on Friday that wanted to get a little sideways with keep hearing how bad this offense is. Yeah, where you at? 400. 400 yards per game. No, no, no. Listen, and some might get mad because they feel like that if you're talking about how bad the offense is, you're taking away something from the defense, which isn't the case. But they can't run the ball. Um, Hunter Deckers hears footsteps. 
their only effective offense they had was when he was chased from the pocket. You know, there's a lot of times whenever maybe it's a movie or a a show and you watch it and you're like, man, that just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. No, no, no. The Iowa State offense, definitely what we thought it was going to be. They're bad. You know, that was their biggest loss of the season. And I, I, is there something in the water with the offenses in that state right now, Josh? Because, oof, Hunter Deckers was a hard watch on Saturday. Hey, don't, don't look now, but no, there's nothing in the water anymore, baby. The Hawkeyes scored on seven of their eight possessions, so we're back. What? We, we just got to play Northwestern every week. But, yeah, no, I mean, obviously the offenses in the state of Iowa stink, and Iowa State clearly illustrated that uh, this past Saturday. It was nice, though, uh, Oklahoma defensively, they did what you're supposed to do versus that type of offense, right? Held them to 13 points and won that game within the game, which was the rushing defense of Oklahoma versus the rushing offense of Iowa State. Bad, 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 bad. Big takeaway number three. Number three. This brings me much joy to say this. Josh Helmer, Michael Turk is a weapon. 49.3 average yards per punt. Two inside, two of his six inside the 20. Two more than 50 yards and four fair catches. Oh, and did I mention? Which, by the way, I'm still open to the answer, and I've always been perplexed by this. Once he takes the snap in the holder position, how is he not down? Right? Does, does he lift his knee up whenever he gives that shovel? It's, it's just a part of the rule that has a little bit of gray area there. They, oh, they, they okay. made it to where you can do that basically so you can operate a fake. Wouldn't it have been funny if all of a sudden you see the official come in, no, 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 he was down, he was down, he was down. I'm like, oh. told you. It's rules. We're, you know, it's funny you say that. We're <laughs> Probably at some point we're going to have that happen. Right. Where an official is not going to know the rule or something. <sighs> Unreal. All right. Um, he, he helped flip the field. And he put, he put Iowa State in some spots offensively where and, – and let's again – Give credit to Iowa State's or Oklahoma's defense. They did a nice job, right? We've I've I watched a bad offense, bad offense. <laughs> um, let me rephrase. I watched a bad defense play a great offense this weekend, and that great offense couldn't do anything. And I watched a bad defense play a bad offense, and the bad offense went off. So. You don't want to be their get-right game, and Oklahoma didn't allow that. But one of the main reasons why, Josh Helmer, because Michael Turk flipped the field. Indeed, indeed. Number two. Number two. Now, I'm going to be careful because this is straight-up plagiarism, uh, plagiarism stealing. Had a good friend of mine on Friday use the term, boring is beautiful. Got the fist pump for using it. It was a boring football game, but it's beautiful. Why? That's right. Because good defense is boring. It really is. Outside of the Danny Stutzman return, you want to see a bunch of three and outs. And it took in incredible defensive plays, or excuse me, incredible scrambles for Hunter Deckers to, be, to even put him in positive territory. Boring is beautiful, Josh. And... 
what Oklahoma did defensively was make that game boring, and in that, it was a thing of beauty. Now, you can get caught up in some stats, a few poultry numbers. Mike, um, the attempts throwing the football still shocked me for Iowa State, but they played beautiful, boring football. And for, for what you knew you were getting in Iowa State, it was a thing of beauty. Just shut them down. Bad offense, don't let them get right against you. Shut them down. A defense that's good against the run, guess what? You have a 100-yard back. Kansas State went in there and couldn't score a touchdown. And, you know, Oklahoma had more opportunities. They missed a few. I'm sure there's some that Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel went back. But boring is beautiful. And Saturday, from a Sooner perspective, was was a beautiful thing. Yes, it was. By the way, the uh, Decker's throw that Stutzman intercepted, was that one of the worst decisions you've ever seen? Yes. Yes. It was terrible. Now, the Danny Stutzman explanation afterwards as to why he didn't get in the end zone was pretty good, too. Um, so I want to, like, give him credit for being at proper depth and making a play. But, I mean, Hunter Deckers threw it right to him. I mean, right to him, dude. Stutzman said after the game, I was trying to take care of my guy Eric Gray, make sure he got a touchdown. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Which gets us to big takeaway number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. I know that we've heard it a lot. Jalen Hurts crafted it and it became a thing around here. But I kind of love the old 1-0. Right? Sooners went 1-0 this week. And that's what they needed. They needed to go 1-0. They went 1-0. And... Coming off a bye, you, you never know. Do do players, are they more, more focused and dialed in? Are they more rested? Or have they started to make their plans for the end of the semester? Are they excited for what's going to be time away from football in the weight room? This team came out and was invested. You know, Gabe said something great in our post-game wrap. He said, this is Oklahoma. A winning record isn't good enough. You, you want to get to 10 wins. And if you can get to 10 wins, you got to win out and win your bowl game. And it's that simple. And you can't get there unless you go 1-0 every week. So I'm sure for some of you it's like, oh, gosh, here we go, Jalenisms again. But I don't care. Josh, I love the mindset that the coaches have consistently implemented, that the team appears to be buying into 1-0 every week. And don't get caught up in – boy, if OU does this and Kansas State loses here, here, and here, then they might end up in the big – don't worry about that. Don't even think about that. I don't think Kansas State's going to lose four more games. But in reality, if you just focus on what's Brent Venable saying, getting better every week, being 1-0, and this team can end up having a nice finish to the season after a very, very frustrating and, dare I even say for some of you, kind of foundation questioning stretch that this team went through sure. in October, right? Absolutely. It was foundation questioning uh, that stretch, but uh, they've righted themselves here these past couple of games and clearly looked looked good coming out of the yep. bye week. So that's uh, a question that we had, and Oklahoma got that accomplished, and now 
The uh, main thing is the next thing, which is <laughs> trying to come on uh, back down to Norman you. and go win this game versus Baylor. Keeping the main thing the main thing, Josh Helmer. Things you love to see. All right, there's a few takeaways from me. What say you? Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Josh and Connor will take your calls on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line 405-3299,000. I'm off to Coach's Corner to Marco Murray, Ted Roof today. You guys got questions, hit us up. I'm at Plank Show. You can always follow us at OU on the air. I'll see you back tomorrow. Uh, we'll also have the Brent Venables – I'm sorry, the Brent Venables Coaches Show recap. But even in that too, Josh – Ted Roof, Jeff Lebby, Presser Rewind as well coming up tomorrow right here on the Home of Sooner Fan. Moppin' Roofing brings us hour number three. It's the Plank Show. Still time for all of you to slide into the show's orbit with either your calls on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000, or the Air Comfort Solutions text line. we got a bunch of uh, – your thoughts out there, 405-651-3439. So I've realized, I don't know, I'm, I'm just not, not altogether fun anymore, Drake. And my big takeaway part of them this morning is we don't really have that fun of an office, do we? It's not like the office on Halloween around here. Everybody's very professional, kind of buttoned up. And nobody dresses in costumes. And what does that say about us? Is that a bad thing? Is that an okay thing? Uh, I think it's... It'd be cool if everybody it, yeah, yeah, got there, into the Halloween spirit. There was a point spirit. in time to where I did dress up uh, for Halloween in here, but I was the only one. So it right. kind of got old to where it's like, okay, what's what's even the point here? What's Why am I dressing up if nobody else is in the Right, then you're things. the, the yeah. office dork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of that anyways, but uh, just, just for different reasons. Perception-wise. Even more, even more glaring uh, on Halloween like that. But, yeah, no. Uh, actually, uh, you've probably noticed, clean-shaven today. Uh, clean-shaven because uh, yesterday I was Eddie Munson of Stranger Things for Halloween. for a party. Wow, so, yeah. how about that? Yeah. How'd the uh, Halloween party go? Was it good? It was good, yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Uh, I was a definitely, member of- definitely a lot more low key in my uh, early mid 30s than it was <laughs> uh, uh, early mid 20s. So I was a member of the Hufflepuff house this past weekend. Oh, wow. Complete with one Hufflepuff scarf. And that was that was the uniform and one plaid shirt. And that's it. That's uh, how you put together a $15 costume, my friend. Easy peasy. I love it. Yeah, no, that was uh, kind of the idea with the uh, Eddie Munson uh, line of things, is that it was easy, just had to get a wig. How disappointing. But. We get the text message from Parker Thune, and I thought it was going to be on this subject yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween costumes. Things, things that we were already planning on, Parker. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes, we've got you covered. I was hoping it was a text from Parker like, oh, no, this is – this is going to be awful when I show up as Freddy Krueger and nobody uh-huh. else is dressed up. Full makeup, everything. Yeah. But, uh, alas, that was not the case. Parker doesn't strike me as the Halloween type. He's no. Very, like, you talk about the uh, straight-laced people that come into the office. Uh, Parker is definitely in that vein. Very much in that vein. Well, and this is just, again, a very professional very professional work environment that, uh, that we have around here. So, uh, nothing spooky this past weekend on that note for Oklahoma. Sooners... Up to Ames, handled their business, 
And, again, the big takeaway for me was that defensively Oklahoma did what Oklahoma needed to do in this game versus Iowa State. Iowa State couldn't run the football. Jirel Brock, they uh, obviously have dealt with some injury concerns. Iowa State has. But uh, he couldn't find really any running lanes versus Oklahoma. And our man Hunter Deckers had to throw the football 57 times because of Iowa State's inability to establish the run. They've been a one-dimensional football team, and Oklahoma made Iowa State in a one-dimensional football team once again this past week. And so I just thought the trajectory of Oklahoma's season, what it was going to look like both this weekend and then moving forward, we could draw some reasonable conclusions from what what happened this past weekend at Iowa State. And the results, Drake, were good. The, the results were great for Oklahoma. OU made Iowa State for the most part, right? I mean, there were bits and pieces, and sure, the two fourth and long plays that you would have liked to have gotten a stop that you didn't. But generally speaking, even from just the start, right? Okay, we can get into should it or should it not have actually stood as an interception for Woody Washington, whatever. He got the interception. So from the start through the entirety of the game, Oklahoma made Iowa State look like a bad offensive football team, and that bodes well, right, coming out of the bye week for Oklahoma moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you did exactly what you needed to do defensively, offensively against a Iowa State team that has had its big-time struggles in – the offensive side of things. I mean, you mentioned the fourth down plays, obviously, that uh, you give up to Iowa State, but also the other side of things. There was a uh, big Hunter, or a Decker's uh, scramble that he goes and gets, what was it, 25, 30 yards, and it was a play that uh, OU had viced correctly, but you have linebackers that take a bad angle, and that was kind of the biggest bust that OU had on the day was just that that improvised play to where it was breaking down on Deckers in the uh, end zone, and he's able to go and scramble for about 25, 30 yards. But, I mean, aside from that, that's really not a whole lot that you give up to Iowa State, and it's exactly what you needed because uh, Iowa State offensively had been one of the more troubled offenses in all of college football, not just the Big 12 and you were able to pretty well shut them down. You were able to force turnovers like they've done all year. And offensively, you did not have to put up 40-plus points. Uh, you looked decent against Iowa State, but you also had the difficulties throwing the ball like everybody kind of anticipated. And like Iowa State's given problems to OU offenses and really offenses in all of the Big 12 the last few years. Uh, since Matt Campbell's um, defense that rushed three, drop eight, uh, all the way back to that 2017 Iowa State game here in Norman. It's given everybody problems. It's given OU a lot of difficulty offensively, and you're able to get through it. You're able to keep them under two touchdowns offensively. That's a big-time win. It's so weird looking at PFF numbers sometimes, Drake. I'm – Diving through these final defensive numbers, the grades that PFF handed out. And, look, I, I reference pro football focus from time to time. I think it's a, a nice tool to give us an idea of who's playing well. And, if nothing else, just to look at, like, what snap counts have been over the course of the season in, in individual games. But Danny Stutzman and David Aguebu are two of the 
worst graded players, the bottom five uh, or bottom six for Oklahoma. And it comes in a game where Iowa State couldn't run the ball at all. So I don't know. I, I mean, that part to me, how could they have been that bad in terms of their grades and Oklahoma did that good of a job, again, run defense-wise? So that gives me a little less faith in what I'm looking at at times from pro football focus. But according to them, uh, it was kind of average days from both Stutzman and Aguay. Well, and the guys that had the big bus at times were those two guys as far as the way that Teddy was illustrating it as the uh, color analyst during the radio broadcast too. So, uh, and there's not anybody at the station that knows defense at sure. the football level than what Teddy does. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of aligns with what it is that Teddy was talking about during the game is that you were making mistakes. You weren't perfect, but you were good enough to be able to go ahead and win that game and do what it is that you were need to do. And luckily, I mean, 27 points was enough. That's, sure. that's, that's the other uh, standpoint of this is that you were able to keep Iowa State at more than arm's length. All of their games, what they had played uh, – Four Big 12 games at this point going into this weekend, and they had lost them by a combined 14 points, and you doubled that number this last weekend. So that's another point of contention to where you can prevent Iowa State from keeping it super close like it's been the entire Big 12 season, even though they haven't gotten a win yet. And you did it on the road. Yeah. So we've got more thoughts that we can share with you from the Oklahoma win OU improves to 5-3 and three on the season, 2-3 and three in the Big 12, and obviously they did so largely in control in Ames, Iowa. So what were some more offensive, defensive takeaways? We'll kick it around with you. It's the Drake and Josh show for the next 20-some-odd minutes, and uh, we'll take your phone calls, your text messages as well. I see a bunch of you chiming in on the text line. We still need to hit those responses. A couple more segments to wrap it up on a Monday, a victorious Monday on Halloween on the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Ah, getting so triggered in here. I can't figure out how to log into text groove. Unbelievable. It's all right. I got you. I'm over here. So frustrating. What are you going to do, you know? Hey, whatever. It's Halloween. We're back. Happy Monday, everybody. Sooners take care of the Cyclones. Hour three brought to us by Moppin Roofing. That is Bob Moppin and his crew, the team over there at Moppin Roofing and Construction. They got you covered, Oklahoma, 405-703-3843. Family owned and operated over 35 years of experience over there at Moppin Roofing and Construction. So let's see. Does Oklahoma State take over the crown of moral victory U after this weekend? Or does Texas still hold that title? I don't think there are any moral victories for Oklahoma State in the Little Apple this past weekend. How uh, did you... Take me through sort of what your weekend looked like, Drake. I mean, obviously you guys are traveling. And yeah. So after the game goes final, do you guys just come straight back after post-game stuff gets done? Like, what did your travel arrangement look like? Did you get to watch any of these other games? Yeah, no, I did not. So the scenario that goes through is we do about a 90-minute post-game immediately after the kickoff uh, or after the final gotcha. tick goes. And then uh, we just kind of – Try to pack up everything up as soon as possible. I kind of do as the post game's going on. The wireless equipment 
You've got Gabe, a system. Gabe and Chris, they get immediately, I'm able to start breaking that down, and then I kind of am left with, like, the main infrastructure by the time Toby is in his last segment. So then we get that broken down, about a 20-minute process. Then we load up, get to the car, and we drive. And, yeah, it was basically we were in the car about 3, uh, 4.30, I think is what it was, and then it was just us driving oh, with the man. occasional gas stops uh, from then until 1 o'clock whenever we got to the uh, place that we had all had met up in the day before at, what was that? That was about 6 a.m. So, yeah, it, it had been a, a long process. We basically listened to, you know, it's Chris Plank. He wants to listen to a little bit of the uh, best of Howard Stern. Good. Uh, mix a little bit of that in. And then we have uh, the uh, the Learfield has their own kind of red zone-ish cool. kind of uh, XM so channel it, that you can log into. Yeah, so we listened to that for quite a bit. So it's radio calls red yeah. zone style. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, pretty, yeah. that's pretty neat. No, it's a cool it's, concept. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty entertaining. So... We, we listened to that. We listened to a lot of that uh, Texas A&M game, mostly because of uh, how entertaining it is to and cringeworthy it is to listen to that A&M broadcast crew because the – Plank did it. I, I don't know. Did you hear the crossover by chance? He did a perfect impersonation of – uh, whoever it is that their color analyst is. No, I, I totally missed it. But it, he goes into basically the color analyst is really bad about just essentially repeating what it is that the play-by-play guy says, and but says it with like a country twang and like so play-by-play guy will be like, all right, uh, yeah, that's a uh, jump ball and yeah, a uh, and uh, gets it to first and ten after a fifteen-yard gain, and then it hands off to the color house. Yep, that was just jump ball. Uh, he just got up there and got him. Hob did. <laughs> That's great. And it's then it's just There's no extra pause, substance. No extra substance at all. But yeah, they were going off on the officials at one point during that game too. Uh it it was very entertaining listening to it. Just from hearing the quality of broadcasts that our on air guys do in the analysis that both Teddy and Gabe are able to give in the perspective. Well, and then obviously Toby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Teddy. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, to, uh, Teddy and Gabe from the football perspective of analyzing what it is that's going on in a given play and explaining things that it's like basically you feel like you are the gif of Alan from The Hangover with whenever he's playing blackjack, if all the numbers floating by your head Indeed. as far as this is super interesting. I don't nearly grasp all of it, but it's fascinating the amount of detail they can go well, into. Well, they, they do a good job dumbing things yeah. down, I think, Absolutely. for people. Absolutely. And doing it all within an 8 to 10 second span between plays. Which too. is an art form. Yes, absolutely. And but listening to those guys, though, the A&M crew, it's like, oh, okay. It's a reminder of, yeah, we're, we're pretty uh, – pretty fortunate to have sure. guys like teddy and gabe that know what it is they're, they're talking about know how to communicate it well so. and and plank and uh toby that are just both great at the you know what they do respectively not that uh plank can't do play-by-play we know that he can because he's terrific at softball but he's got the sideline role for oklahoma football and 
does as good of a job or better than anybody of letting you know, filling you in what's going on on the sidelines and the injury reports and this and that. So, yeah, the, the broadcast, I'm sure, totally different. All of which was to say you didn't get to sit and just completely take in the Oklahoma no. State beatdown at the no. hands of Kansas we, State. We got to – so we did, but we didn't. Uh, we got to flip that game on during the post game, and I think it was probably – I know it was twenty-eight to nothing before we left. I think that they had gone up uh, thirty-five to nothing before we had left the stadium, too. So yeah, it, it had already gotten ugly by the time we had left. One final defensive thought, and then let's talk some offense before we hand it off to Steelman and Thune at noon. The Danny Stutzman play mentioned it earlier. I don't know what Hunter Deckers was looking at. Clearly, he just didn't see Stutzman. It was one of the worst throws and decisions that I've seen. But I'll say this on behalf of Stutzman and on behalf of Oklahoma. Good things happen when you do positive things before it. And to dive into the basketball glossary here a little bit, Oklahoma applied game pressure for the first time in quite some time defensively. And, again, when you do that to the point of good things happen – for you when you do good things. I thought that that individually that Danny Stutzman play is a terrific illustration of that, right? To where Oklahoma had made Iowa State one-dimensional. They couldn't run the ball. They had to have Hunter Deckers drop back and throw it. And he really kind of had a mixed bag doing that. He was intercepted three times in the game. And, oh, by the way, that throw right there to Stutzman was, was just terrible. And when you force a team to get uncomfortable, when you force a quarterback to get uncomfortable, guess what? You get good results. And so Oklahoma, in a game where, again, they needed to do that against an Iowa State offense that had not been having a ton of success against anybody, give give OU credit, right? I've sat here on the radio and ripped this defense and ripped the coaching staff during the losing streak. And I'm going to give them credit where credit is due. That was an Oklahoma football team. We'll talk about the offense next. But defensively, that was an Oklahoma football team that came out and out of the bye week improved. Yeah, and hindsight being 2020 as well is, and not to say that the play of the defense, the previous uh, four games in the Big 12 were excusable in any sense of the word, but. Kansas State and TCU are a lot better than anybody anticipated sure. entering the season. And that is that is the biggest takeaway for me the last few weeks, is especially with the way that K-State just completely obliterated that Oklahoma State With a backup system. quarterback. Yeah, with a backup quarterback. Absolutely. And, yeah, I mean, TCU's, TCU's been moving the ball on everybody. That's, that, that, ha- that cannot be understated. But OU defense, it has to be better moving forward. Absolutely, and they showed a little bit of that this last weekend. Which makes uh, Sooner fans happy on a Halloween Monday. One final one final break, one final timeout. Let's talk a little bit, a little OU offense, and then we'll call it a day and hand it off to Steelman. It's the Plank Show, the home of Sooner fans right here on the Ref Radio Network. <laughs> hey, pull, pull up that, that text right there. Yeah, 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 that's the one. My question, this is from the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Drake. I am Josh. Final segment for us. My question on the OSU game is, what two team cultures battled each other? Because apparently the winning culture from the previous week and still he didn't show up. Uh, Yeah, that was blowout culture that you saw up in the Little Apple. 
that was get your you-know-what kicked culture that you saw show up in the Little Apple. It's a good reminder. This is why, and I actually am going to say something that will be controversial to some Oklahoma fans here. I like the Oklahoma State radio broadcast. I think those guys typically do a good job. I, I enjoy listening to them. Yeah, and I know that Plank is a big big fan of the job that Robert Allen does in particular as the sideline guy. So. I think they do a good job. If if I was an Oklahoma State fan, I would enjoy the broadcast, right? It's a nice example for Hunziker of just don't get yourself involved saying stupid things like that. Do not make the story about you. Make the story about what Oklahoma State does and leave it at that. Because guess what? Now you're the butt of the joke. Literally, what, one week later? I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. The, the jokes write themselves when you say and do something just like that. Yes, Brian in Tulsa. Breaking news uh, over the over the break. It's, uh, it's official. Brian Harson has gotten fired at Auburn. He is out, and the, the new AD comes in and says, look, we're not messing around here. You and I both know, Brian Harson. you're not going to be sticking around. So well, let's, let's just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid right off. And Auburn has done that. He gone. Brian Harson is out at Auburn. So another major opening in college football. We'll see what the uh, rumor mill fires up. I, I don't know what the short list would look like at Auburn right now, but that's an attractive opening. In, in the pantheon of openings that we've got right now, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Auburn I think would be right toward the top of the list. That's it for me. That's it for Drake. Drake, appreciate you sliding in. For uh, Plank right here on the Plank Show, so long, everybody. Happy Halloween.